you eat that banana like a crocodile? Hmm. You can't eat it, you know, like, you can't be weird about it. <laughs> what's what's being weird about eating a banana? What does that look like? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> show it, show it. Would you like to show the class? No. <laughs> so, I guess we already kind of started, but I was going to say, Jake, guess what I'm doing right now? And it's the worst thing I could possibly eat at this point in my life. And it rhymes with shmanana. Mm. <laughs> it's a banana it's a banana I appreciate you waited a whole hour to eat that uh, yeah you sat through the last podcast episode and this one started and you're like nah, I'm gonna get it yeah I mean I guess I didn't think that far ahead because now I'm eating and talking uh, and <laughs> that's probably what you shouldn't do in a professional setting or whatever to be fair to be fair though that like you led the last one and then I plan to lead this one with you chiming in at any, at some points. So, yeah. So I have banana chewing time in here. Yeah. So if you, if you start, if, if you have something to say, that's when you just stop chewing and you, you mm-hmm. swallow, um, the antifreeze of a fruit that you're eating and then, uh, <laughs> uh, say your piece. Um, all right, cool. Shortest cold open in like 45 episodes. So, uh, banana. <laughs> bananas, um, there's been a lot of buzz around in the, some of the Facebook groups uh, and also in person uh, regarding market saturation in terms of agencies and starting them. And a lot of the questions that I've been seeing are they're they're as simple as like, is the solar niche good or something like that? And people just asking if niches are, are fine. But then there's also more direct. All right. We're back. <laughs> we're back. Sorry. Um, if I can't find an appropriate way to cut that so it doesn't sound like I just received a phone call through my audio, um, then uh, this is this is, this is the segue. Um, Pros and cons of Google Voice, right? Yeah. Well, I should have just put the Do Not Disturb on, but you know it is on now. Um, so, anyways, the 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 other questions are a bit more direct. They're they're like you know, hey, is does anybody think that this the markets are too saturated for marketing agencies? What they're really asking is, can I get any clients, um, or am I going to have too many comp- uh, too much competition? And these questions aren't just being asked in groups. I think in the last episode, I talked to you, or I you know, talked to everybody about uh, Lauren's uh, coworker who has uh, ambitions to start th- start their own agency, and she asked me the same thing: is is do I think do I think the market is too saturated for marketing agencies? And there's a lot to kind of unpack there because ultimately the answer is no. Um, it's not, um, but the answer could be yes. It just depends on who you are, what you're offering, what your niche is, what, um, you know, who, how are you different than other other um, agencies out there? So, Do you think that these are useful questions when people ask them? Like, what do you think when people are asking these sorts of things? I want your thoughts on it. Do you remember, like, in a, in a few episodes, not a few, oh, quite a bit, quite a bit of episodes ago, I kind of, I coined a term, and I called it um, a, a, a serial question. And mm-hmm. so very similar to a serial murder. So the definition of a serial murderer is someone who um, murders three people on three separate occasions. Um, so when someone asks three, so how I do it is when three different people ask three different or the three of the same questions on three separate occasions that's a serial question well that's a question that needs to be answered so that's not a question about serial that's a serial question 
Right. Well, bananas. I would prefer a That's question a about cereal than a question about bananas. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I finished the banana. Well, well. All right. So, what are your thoughts on it, though, on these cereal questions? Um, I, I will. Uh, well, the thoughts on cereal questions are when people are asking them, I'm going to answer them on the podcast because I'm tired of doing uh, it okay, um, okay. in text format. So, I'll just link them to the episode. Um. So, uh, for starters, regarding this specific serial question, if I think the markets are too saturated or if, if anybody thinks the markets are too saturated, um, I don't think, uh, I think markets are very rarely saturated. Uh, I, I don't think, I, I think they can only be like truly saturated, maybe in like a physical product space, but in a service space, I don't think so. Because there's always an angle or a niche within a niche. Um, and this is just the first point. I, I have I have plenty more of why I think this way. Um, so even in the lawn care industry, if you wanted to start a lawn mowing business, guess what? <laughs> lawn mowing companies are a dime a dozen just like agencies. You can make yeah, an argument. Zero entry. Yeah, yeah. And then that's a good point too, is like mark, or industries that are have a very low barrier to entry um, have a lot of saturation. So lawn mowing and then also agencies doesn't cost any money to set up an agency. Episode one plug. Um, there's also another episode in there too. I can't remember, but, um, it's when you're in lawn care, for example, yet that's a niche in its own, obviously it's an industry, but then there's a niche within a niche. You can do like one of our clients who only does organic lawn care and that's it. So now he is taking lawn care in general and just segmenting it into this very specific portion of it. And what he's got an $8 million business or 10 million. I don't know. It's, it's up there. It's bigger than that. It's a big sure. boy. Um, and, uh, he's a CEO and he didn't even start it. Like he, he, as far as I know, he came into it. So like, that's how big and, and, uh, large this business is. So if you're, ever thinking of a niche is too saturated, one of the questions you're going to ask yourself is how can you separate yourself from what everybody else is doing or be more specific? When I first started Evergrow, I was going to be in kind of like the home services, like contractor niche. And that was, that's an industry on its own. But I wanted to be more specific than that to separate myself. So then that's when I turned to landscaping and lawn care specifically. And what what happened there is basically my competition went from a thousand uh, down to a hundred, and when you're, let's just say you're not at the home services or contractor niche, and you go up, and you're now you're just a general marketing agency. Now you're at a million. Your competition's a million. So as you continue to go down, your competition starts to decrease. I keep in mind, so does the client base. Um, however. It's easier, it's, it's going to be way more beneficial if you start super niche and then spread out because now people are going to be more likely to come to you with uh, such a hyper focus on a specific niche, um, which is also going to be very important for you to double down on. Um, I believe that's episode 40. So if you go to, we're going to look right now, actually. Yeah. If you go to episode 40, how to pick your niche for marketing consultancy or consultant agencies, um, we talk about like how to determine which niche you should go into um and spoiler alert it's one that you're going to double down on and be familiar with not just one that everybody else is doing mm. um oh yeah, well, 
Can you can you like pause your brain for just a second and then ask me what I think about people who ask these sorts of questions? What do you think of people who ask these sort of questions, Cody? Thank you, Jake. Good question. I think that the sorts of people who are generally like broadly asking these on like a Facebook group or in a forum on Reddit, that sort of thing. One, I think you're not very serious. I And I, I don't mean that to attack you. Like, I'm not trying to be aggressive and, and say, like, uh, it's, this isn't malicious intent. It's that there are people who are already doing it. that are already going after it, and they're not asking about it. They're just doing it, and they're finding out. So once you get to that group, that's when you're actually in it. That's when you're serious. In that space, I think everything gets less competitive because you mean that mental mental mind space like if you just do it um i mean for the for the people who are actual doers right Mm because if you say if you're if you're nervous and you see oh i see people talking about this all the time on social and they're saying that there's so many people in this niche okay look into it like i don't care who's talking about it because if you just listen to people on the internet like us ah, that's a bad (laughs) (laughs) but no so for example starting an agency if you go to reddit and you read through threads about should you start an agency everybody's gonna say no but of course everybody says don't start a business because it's already risky that's it's not something that most people do um you need to have confidence in yourself that you're going to make you work and then market saturation as an issue or or something to be considered and taken into consideration that's that's an I'm not going to say it's an afterthought. Uh, There are more critical things to do and get to a point to first before you're seriously uh, thinking about the impacts of market saturation on your business, especially if you've already done things like Jake saying, if you have identified a niche, you're niche down, you're set up, you're ready to go. You have a product or service or you, you have you know, the service that, that you're ready to take to market, even they're not even productized yet. If you've gone that far, you're already way further than most people who are going to be asking these sorts of questions. Like, oh, is it saturated? Are you ready? I, I think I think a lot of people who are asking these questions too are the same people who are either contracting out their services and don't know how to execute it on their own and or contracting their sales and having a setters and closers bring stuff to them. And if you're in this category, um, Cody's talking to you. So I, I think it's yeah. it's kind of like, I don't know, I, you can do what you want to do, but this is kind of a warning for you. Um, I'm not going to lie. There's a podcast episode that we have planned on doing called If You Outsource Everything, You Will Die. Not you, but your agency will die. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. But your they'll agency you. The will... people, they'll find you and then <laughs> that's it for you. The... <laughs> The agency police, the Russian mob. Um, <laughs> no, I I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually a callback to episode 43, which is um, uh, what is it called? It's called uh, 43 planning too much versus just taking action. Uh-huh. And there there is there is an equilibrium that we kind of come to in that, which is like it's really important to plan and really important to look into things, as Cody is explaining. But then if you actually just do it instead of just wait until you hear what people say about it, you'll be light years ahead of people. This is Jake and I and everything like the banana where he said like, it's terrible for you, but he's talking about healthy foods and I'm talking about like garbage foods, like I eat like cup noodles. It's like, 
if that's you, fair, if that's you fair. take the full perspective yeah. and you're like you guys are agreeing why are you fighting yeah if you because it's fun <laughs> and entertaining uh <laughs> yes bananas are healthier than a cup and ramen noodles absolutely but, but they're they're terrible they if you're if you're gonna say i'm gonna eat healthy noodles. food and you eat a banana i'm like wait no yeah but for me it's an upgrade from cup noodles yeah it's like going from cup noodles to like like skinless buffalo wings <laughs> all right because I, I froze you in a second i don't know if you could actually get back to your thought oh i i i can um well you stopped me at a good point because sometimes i just randall or I ramble um randall i don't know who that is um sometimes i just ramble so like stop me um when you need to because if it's important enough i'll come back to it um however my next point was market um if if anybody's talking about market saturation because you're hearing a lot about agencies getting into that niche, that means there's market opportunity. That means that if a lot of people are jumping to it, there's a ton of opportunity there. And um, you can you can take that with a grain of salt, but I tell a lot of um, people in like lawn care groups this, where they say like, hey, there's like, you know, people mowing lawns are a dime a dozen. I'm just like, good. That means there's a ton of people that are that are paying for those services, um, and that's kind of where you go in to differentiate yourselves and and um, uh, you know establish yourself in a specific a niche within a niche. Now, um, this kind of ties into uh, the idea that everybody experiences churn, everyone. So even your competitors in your niche are going to lose clients. Um, we lose clients and we, a lot of the times we, we lose clients because they can't take on the work. Um, they go somewhere else or, um, they weren't big enough to hire us in the first place and they couldn't afford us. So then when they get into a spot to where they can hire somebody, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they're not going to look somewhere else. Um, additionally, I can't tell you how many clients come to us and are not happy with their agency at all. And, um, of course, they Google us. So if you listen to the last episode, uh, focus on your SEO on your own site. Um, and, uh, you know, you will pick up if there's a ton of agencies in that niche. That means there's a ton of garbage in that niche, too, because the fact that you are able to um, just do do things uh, like Cody was explaining, like just just doing it and redoing the research and also learning your own services and and being competent as an agency owner you're already better than like 90% of quote unquote agency owners out there. And that's, that's really all it takes. Um, so, uh, on that note, markets are typically saturated with garbage. So it's all, all I gotta say is just don't be garbage and, and you're, you're gonna be fine in a, you know, quote saturated market. Yeah. I think market saturation, if we, actually talk about it seriously now because i i do this i i feel like you want to you're like let's go straight to talking about this seriously and, and yeah that's true but i also need to do like all the pro- it's just who i am to do the precautionary safeguards of look let's make sure that we we do all of the pc the politically correct and get to the point of what's actually important here and get rid of everything that could be a, a misconception or miscommunication if we actually talk about market saturation then we have to talk about more than just market saturation we have to talk about complexity of businesses so any business with 
low startup costs are going to have high market saturation and high competition. Things that might benefit or like improve that would be if it's new, new industries, potentially shrinking ones um, where it's like an aging population. Um, so for example, because I'm in Japan, right? There's a lot of like arts and things that are just becoming really specialized where it's actually going to keep continuing, it's, but not very many people are doing it. So that sort of thing is sort of a, a business opportunity too. That all of those sorts of things affect that. And then when your startup costs and your just the more complicated everything becomes, the more stable your business is uh, as assuming that it's, you know, doing it's like stable, assuming you're doing well, right? Like you are, you're in a, you have staying power. Um, then those businesses have much less competition, less market saturation because they're so much harder to get to that point. And that's why some people, and I'm one of them who can see it this way is an agency can just be a stepping stone to a bigger business because it's really just, it's simple, like cash flow easy. You learn a lot of the basic stuff that you're going to have to do for more complicated businesses, that sort of thing. So and you don't have to, yeah, there's low barrier entry, so you don't have to front, you know, a bunch of capital or money to get started. Episode yeah, start one. On Chromebook. <laughs> start on a Chromebook. Um, so, but then after that, everything, everything that has to do with market saturation, you can think about other things that impact it such as, and I like to use Japanese as a, like a prime example. Um, when I think back to high school, and how so many guys wanted to go pro at football, right? That's an extremely saturated market, you could say. How many how many guys out there wish that they could do pro American football? And how many are going for that? It keeps getting narrower and narrower the higher you go up. You get to high school, people go from high school to college. After college, they then hope that they go pro, right? But every year it gets more intense. And it's it's very intense. It's very hardcore. It's extremely competitive. That is extreme market saturation, I think. And then comparative things are also like musical artists, right? Mm-hmm. That sort of concept. They're extremely popular. And because of that, very saturated and high competition. Now, something that just seems very out there, such as learning Japanese, you'll also find people who just don't know much that say, yeah, but how many people are actually going to do that? The same way that they say about football players or musical artists, right? Mm-hmm. The difference is that statistically, it's actually not hard at all. If you're if you're serious, you're like dead serious about, I want to go to Japan or do business in Japan or be a teacher in Japan, that sort of thing. There's a very straightforward path. And it's not complicated because not a ton of people are pursuing it. So that is an example of extremely low saturation mm-hmm. because it's... I'm not saying it's one yeah, one, but you, you don't have to get creative. I think I think when um, yes. I think in saturated markets, you have to be you have to be creative, and that's kind of the whole point of like picking a niche or like focusing on a specific service. So that was the other point too. Is is um, yeah, landscaping is a niche within a niche. So the niche is um, home services and uh, contractors, and landscaping is a subcategory of that. Dude, I heard somebody in a Facebook group argue like. They were adamant that home services is not a niche. It's an industry. And I was like, what? What? What a weird like, thing to be upset about. <laughs> can, an, can an industry not be a niche? Like, 
it, by definition, like of the word niche, like, yeah, it, it absolutely can be. You just woke up in a rage that day. Like, all right, it, I'm, I'm picking something and I'm going to fight about yeah, it. Yeah, he, he was upset about that. <laughs> so, uh, but another point of a niche within a niche is like, if you have your, your, in, your industry niche or whatever your client type of client you're targeting, if you only focus on like a very specific set of services too, that's a niche within a niche. Um, you are, you are separating yourselves from the agencies that do literally everything. And you are the experts on this one thing. And I, I can give you an example in the lawn care world. In the lawn care world, there are people who only do fertilization and weed control. They call that lawn care, whereas like lawn maintenance is everything. That's like mowing and, and edging and trimming and things like that. Um, to the uh, homeowner, there's really no difference between lawn care and lawn maintenance. They say the same word. But um, there are, we have a, a couple of very successful clients who only do the fertilization and weed control. And they have two types of clients. They have one client who likes to mow their own lawn because it's a fun Saturday thing for them to do. And then they have the other client who is who hires their mowing out to a mowing only contractor. And then they want someone who's hyper is hyper focused on fertilization and weed control and understands the sciences of it. Because what happens when you get with these agencies that have a ton of services is they're usually siloed into different departments. And those departments aren't super um they're not that if that agency's focus isn't on that one service then the the service offering becomes less valuable than an agency who only does that that means everybody in that agency knows about that service um and the quality of it might not be as good so if you're dealing with a company that only does fertilization and weed control and that's their entire business model I bet they have some secrets or some tricks of the trade that the the lawn maintenance company who also does landscaping and hardscapes and mowing and everything like that probably isn't as attuned to as that fertilization company. So mm-hmm. um, when we first started Evergrow, um, well, when I first started on my own under the Evergrow name, uh, I offered everything. Like I offered Reddit ads and I didn't even know how to run Reddit ads, but I was like, I'm going to figure <laughs> it out if somebody wants it. <laughs> and but my bread and butter obviously was seo because everybody loves seo it's a super high margin service it costs you no money mm-hmm. um and uh it's it's relatively simple to learn by these front front end and seo um and uh i uh offered I, I had a client on seo and then i had into the box who who was on google ads which is what i was pinging you about questions related to um and then when we partnered up you're like yeah, we're only going to offer SEO and ads, <laughs> like like no social media, like none of this, um, until like we kind of reach our market cap with just these services. Um, and of course, I came back to you and was like, yeah, but we have to also offer website building because we can't right. run SEO and ads if a client doesn't have a website. So um, that be kind of that came kind of came like our core. Uh, services, which was basically like, hey, Evergrow Marketing, those are the people that handle your search engine marketing. Like, if you want to show up on Google, call them. Um, where a lot of our competitors will offer everything, and um, and we just don't. And we and we hear some negative stuff too. So, like a couple of the negative things that we hear are where agencies where they'll offer Google Ads, um, they'll say that the solution that they had when the ads weren't performing was to throw more money at it. <laughs> and if you're an expert <laughs> in Google Ads, like we are, that's the worst thing you can do because 
there is a limit to how much you can spend in Google ads. And if you give Google $10,000, they will spend $10,000 regardless of how much traffic there actually is, which means your cost per clicks can go from $5 to $50 or $500. So it's it's important to um, make sure you're dealing with the expert in that field. Um, same thing with SEO. We had a different competitor who engaged in black and gray hat SEO, um, uh, PBNs, uh, private backlink networks, and um, uh, what's the other one? Oh, uh, duplicated location pages. And I wrote an article in Search Engine Land about how Google targeted those after the December spam update. And we just had uh, one of their clients come to us and say that the rankings have been taking are tanking. And I said, yeah, I know why. <laughs> uh, because uh, this person is very vocal about their practices on YouTube. Um, and then there was another one who agency who offered everything and their social media ads weren't doing well at all and um they were i can't remember exactly the issue that they were running with but there was another agency that just offered everything so when a client comes to me and says you know we want to do social media like we're not going to offer that until we're confident that we have nailed our services down but we have a different service that we focus on and if you want leads then let's do that first um so uh, that was a big tangent on, you know, really focus on, on your core service offerings. And it's it's sometimes it's not in your best interest to diversify to capture the most amount of clients. Okay, so here's a question. Great. If, if I, I'm not me, I'm someone else right now. I'm Tim. It's Tim, me. Bob. Tim, Bob. Last name is Bob. Mm-hmm. And... I'm interested in starting a marketing agency, but I'm concerned that it's too saturated. And I say, Jake, I'm in, I'm Tim Bob, and I'm interested in <laughs> starting a marketing agency, but I'm concerned it's too saturated. And then you say, let's say you're just feeling, you know, snarky that day, and you're like, yeah, dude, it's super saturated. I don't think you should do it. What do you think my, like, what I do next what do you think one one what do you think is going to happen and two what do you think should or like is the best way to respond or react to it uh like what's the best way for um timothy robert to respond to it yeah, yeah. His, his name's actually bob not robert oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> i do that don't I? T- t- yeah tim okay so if if he, in this instance if i was tim bob and i heard from you know a hypothetical me that was like you shouldn't do it uh don't do it I think I would, if I was Tim Bob, I would say, um, well, I would say, why not? But th- this is just me, though. It's hard. It's hard to get into their heads. But I think, I think, um, if I said you shouldn't do it, I think they might do a little bit more research and um, very topically, like not not mm-hmm. super in depth, and then we'll um, pivot to something else until another guru uh, YouTube pre roll sells them on their paid course. What if, I'm still 10, Bob. What if I say, oh, okay, I'm not going to do it now because you said it's saturated. How does that make you feel? I would say that they shouldn't start start any business at all. They should go work for somebody. Right, because that's weird. Because that's extremely bizarre. Like to to think that, why are you asking anyway? I mean, if you you ask, this is just a mere thing, right? You want to be told what you want to hear, which is, it's going to be okay. It's not saturated. You can do it. Um, and 
if you hear that, are you going to be encouraged to do it? Or what I think is more likely, more important is just, if it's the right thing for you, you're going to do it either way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's saturated or not. It doesn't matter if it's complicated or not. You're going to, you know, you're going to, it sounds cheesy to say you're going to find a way. You're going to sink time into doing it because it's what you do. I, I think that's the important thing to remember is if you always just go back to like whatever your default specialty is or where you put your time um, and that sort of thing is like a marketing area. If that's kind of where you start to niche down, then you're going to just find yourself spending time there anyway. And even if it is saturated, you're already, you know, more than most people because that's where you spend your time. And one, I don't think it's going to be, but let's say that it is. It just doesn't matter. Like it's not a determining point that shouldn't sway you either direction. I, we, I say this before, but it's like, I think everybody says this honestly, but if you start, if you, if you, if your primary goal was to make money and then you decided to start an agency, like it's probably not for you. And, um, what I mean by that is I started Evergo because I wanted to start an agency. I kind of envisioned like this big, like office building with a bunch of people. And I thought that was cool. I also thought the idea of making a lot of money doing that was cool. If you don't care how you make a lot of money, um, whether it's starting an agency or doing some kind of like uh, e-commerce product or crypto or whatever, then I think what you need to do is take a step back and define what it is that you want to do with your life. What do you see yourself doing in 10 years in terms of work? Uh because there is no sipping on a beach or there's no sipping cocktails on a beach without managing something without, mm-hmm. without having some kind of income or it's after 10 years and that's, you finally got your big check, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> right. Uh, that's the best case scenario. Yeah. When you sell, um, but, um, I, I think it's really important to, to want to do, uh, the agency for getting into the space and then think about the money later. And it just, it's just, I don't know how to communicate that to people who are just solely money driven because I know who those people are. Cause I feel like I was that at one point and I didn't care how I made it. Um, I think this isn't a good match for that. I, if that's like your number one driver is money. Don't do an agency. Don't do like, a business. To- like I, <laughs> I, they're, they're, <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> like invent something, I guess. But like that's you know, I think I think if you're if you're gonna invent something that requires you to be extremely creative, um, and you know that's just not a viable thing. Or you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think that there's very. Uh, I don't know if easy is the word, but we'll say it anyway. I think there's easy ways to make uh, lots of money if money's all you care about that's not hard but if you start getting picky about those things about how you want to make it that's when things start getting difficult um so for me i think that was always big was i just wanted i saw the computer thing the work from anywhere to have the laptop take it anywhere sort of thing and i wanted a combination of that and international business that was always like my goal dream idea and everything's actualizing now which is amazing um but You've already had some business talks in Japan that have worked out for you. Like you're, you're like expediting this whole Japan thing. And uh, we're trying, 
I'm based on based on what you've been telling me. Like you're you're further. I think you're further along than you expected. Uh, yeah, I feel very. It's still very foundational, but I feel like the next time you go back, you're going to be way higher than what you thought you were going to be at. Yeah, no, I 100 percent because I'll I'll improve or improve in my ability to. I I'm very. I've learned a lot from this, and I think the biggest thing that uh, anybody. I, well, one, nobody's, not nobody, very few people are interested in business in Japan, I think. If you're interested in Japan, you're interested in, not in business. <laughs> you like anime, you like manga, something like that. I'm a weirdo uh, because you know, I was here for a little bit as a kid because my dad was in the military. So I think maybe military kids might be the exception. Um, but even then, I think if they leave, it doesn't maybe stick with them as much unless they are also in the weed crowd of having the interest. Um I had a reason I was saying this, but I think I lost it. <laughs> Why can't I do it? Why can't I just keep a track of... Uh, oh, okay. So, the the thing that has really um, been proven to me here, specifically about business, is that... And I, there's no way to explain it to people. I think they just have to come here. You don't get to just show up in Japan and do business. And that's the best way I can say it and the simplest way I can describe it. You need introductions and relationships run deep here. Um, it ha- It's the same everywhere, right? Uh, on some level. But I think especially in America, just because of the, the strength of individualism and the like resistance of the American dream concept that you can just kind of drum up business. You don't have to know people necessarily. Of course, there are limitations on what you're going to be able to do, and you'll do better if you do know people. But um, you can come off the boat and just get to work, right? Episode like that's, episode 11, Chase Relationships, Not Money. Yeah. <laughs> so you, 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 you have that in the U.S. You, it's, a, it's an immigrant country. You... If you want to do whatever you want here and you're able to make it a viable business, then you can. Um, and you can do that from the second you kind of show up. I, I think people, not of course, not all Americans, but I think generally speaking on the whole, um, they are kind and accepting and that sort of thing. But here, I've, I've even been told multiple times now, um, just straight up that, look, introductions are important here. And if you don't get introduced to the right people, then that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah well it sounds like you're it sounds like you're you've been introduced to the right people already yeah some um i mean i'm doing my best uh but it's it's brutal man like it but, but they're also very accepting of realizing like hey japanese is brutally hard so th- mm. the fact that you're even trying is like very cool yeah but, i um this uh, an example of saturation right i mean yeah I, I'm, I'm here and it's like i'm looking around like oh where are the white guys Cody's <laughs> <laughs> like i don't have much competition here <laughs> we go out to a restaurant we get our picture taken jenny and i um <laughs> so the the term i'm bigger in japan is like a is is funny because of height and also because you're white it's a standing thing for sure i mean oh. maybe not as much in tokyo and osaka anymore but um, yeah, I mean, if you're still going to the country, and you know, how tall are uh, guys, how how tall are men there? They're still tall. People are actually tall here. 
Um, Jenny's like waving to me like, meh, like some at all, some not, but, yeah. um, I've seen me and it could just have, it could be the city effect, but like when we were at the airport, everybody seemed very tall, but so, yeah, maybe that's, you and I are the same height. I think we measured exact same. Uh, mm-hmm. For, yeah. I don't know. What do you, do you, how, how tall do you call yourself? I just say six foot, not because that's what I, I say. I'm, I'm technically not like you have to round down. Yeah. I'm, I'm five eleven and a half. Yeah, I'm 5'11". I can't remember if it's 5'11 and a quarter or 5'11 and three-fourths, but I just don't care. (laughs) It's it's easier to just say, like, that's a lot of words. Yeah. I just say six foot, but it's not a brag. Every time I say six foot, Lauren says, no, you're not. I'm like, it's just, like, (laughs) she says it jokingly, like, very, like, very joking, because that's what all the guys in the the dating apps put. They always put six foot, and they're, like, Uh... (laughs) 5'9". Well, all the girls' profiles always say, I want, like, someone tall. Like you must be six foot, so like they always say I'm six foot. So when I, I say six foot, it. when I'm like truly not, then it's like, yeah. But I'm glad I never dealt with that. <laughs> this uh, this but episode I wouldn't ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Yeah, same. Um, this episode turned. Uh, it went from a simple question of, you know, is the market too saturated for an agency, which we've covered quite a bit, and then it went into. I think if you're asking this question, you're getting into the wrong industry or um, because this is a question, honestly, you should ask yourself. And if you feel like a market is too saturated to go into, that means the thing that you want to do probably isn't the thing that you should do. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you don't think, maybe you think you want it more than you actually do. Mm-hmm. It's really, just, yeah, really, yeah, really what it comes down to is just you standing out from competition. And if you're afraid that you're not, then that's on you, honestly. Um, you've got to figure out a way to stand out. I, I, when, especially when I partnered with you, I got, dude, I got so much confidence. Like, I was like, especially in ad delivery, I'm like, we're going to crush everybody out there. And so, like, so, like, when it came to like ads and like SEO, I, I just like went out there with an iron fist and was like, dude, we're the best. Like, I don't need to separate ourselves. It makes us different from other landscaping marketing companies. Like, we have the best ads and best SEO in the industry. It's like when people ask me about business and stuff, like, for any sort of new business inquiry, that sort of thing. I'm like, I don't know. I'll talk to Jake. I don't know how to do this. Stuff. <laughs> I don't know how to talk about it. Like, they talk to you. They're like, yeah, so I was looking about getting marketing. Nope. Stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to the wrong guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we've had... Uh, Sometimes I'm like, man, Cody does a lot of work. Like you do all the operation stuff, switching from reporting, doing uh, switching reporting tools, doing all the Stripe updates, um, the documentation, and all that. I'm like, what am I doing? And then next thing I know, like I'm on like six hours of phone calls with prospective clients throughout the day. I'm like, oh yes, this is what I do. The the other critical, critically important half of business, <laughs> which is making money. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's. I, know. I come in, I'm like, what are your projects? Here are your timelines. This is when we're going to get things done. And then I'm like, um, all right, do all that work. <laughs> and I just go, <laughs> client emails. All right, let's go do it. Those are those are cool uh, two things that we could talk about. I think if, if people are interested, I don't want to do it just to do it. But um, one is our, our concepts and ideas on goal making and system development, that sort of stuff. Because I think we have unique takes oh, on that. Yeah, you don't like goals. Uh, you know, I hate goals. Yeah. I hate goals a lot. I love goals. Uh, 
And then also, if people are interested in Japan thing at all, um, I can talk more about it. I don't. It's just one of those things that most people aren't. Yeah, are you going to be offended if people write it? No, please don't talk about Japan again. That's fine. That's cool. <laughs> I, I don't expect that. And honestly, even Japan, they're like, they feel that way. You show yeah. up and they're like, wow, this is cool. Everybody's confused as to why I'm here. I even get asked that still. They're like, you're not weeb enough to be here. Did you... Yeah. Why is your hair a normal color? Like, so... Uh, if they say that to me, I'm just going to say, why not? <laughs> just, you know, do like an all night and be like... We were talking... Laura and I were talking about, like, Japan and their, like, weird culture. Where, like, you can't... You can't... Uh, it's, like, impolite to wear, like, shorts or, like, wear anything revealing... But getting naked in a hot spring with total strangers is completely fine. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was like, what? What kind of backwards logic is this? I, I was yeah. thinking, like, for um, for a society that has, or for a culture that has a lot of, like, self-honor and preservation, they really are an offended culture. Offended? Yeah, like, everybody, like, they get offended at everything. Oh, they don't though. Oh, see, but how how you describe it and how like we hear about it and like how they have like cultural they, norms and things like. It, but so, yeah, that's confusing. I can understand what you mean because it's they don't expect these of anybody. Like they don't have these expectations of people who aren't Japanese. Is what it comes down to. Like you don't have to do any of these things, mm-hmm. and they that's why they just kind of see you as this novel, interesting foreign thing that's exciting too um but if you want to like if you're you're coming and then you're going to try to blend in and have it especially like i think okay i'm going to talk about japan more uh <laughs> i feel like when whenever like lisa has a question at the end of a call and you're like no yeah i feel like our listener was just like no <laughs> yeah we're gonna give it a shot this might get us another one star oh um I think something I wish somebody would have told me, not because I did it wrong, but just to clarify and make sure that everybody's on the same page. There is a extreme difference between going to Japan for funsies on a vacation and going to Japan with an interest in business. And the expectations are completely different. If you come here dressed and ready to present yourself as though you're here for some fun, they're going to be very confused because the business culture is extremely conservative. Um, so if you're going to do that in a business sense, then you need to be prepared. And I say that as someone who's in the startup scene, I mean, that's effectively what we are. We are in the small business startup vibe and it is more way more laid back, but people still do wear suits every day. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, that's a lot of laundry, man. <laughs> what, if, what if we opened up a branch in Japan and like people kept wearing suits and we're just like, like we're like uh, Chadwick Boseman and and Black Panther and he's like, we don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't do that here. Uh, I have found people in, but in this industry, it's there's a lot of similarities though. Like, yeah, I was able to talk to somebody who does effectively. Uh, not the exact same thing, but basically, I mean, the business model is different, but it's a digital marketing agency. And uh, yeah, the vibe is pretty much the same. 
Um, at least with the, it's not corporate. I don't, how do you, Jake? How do you describe the difference of like the broy startup agency vibe versus the clean cut professional, not corporate, but uh, well, what's the word? You know what I mean? Yeah, white collar. There's a divide in the in the agency space between that. Um, I think there's. I think I don't know how to describe the divide, but I, I know there's a. There's definitely been a difference in like um agencies. So agencies have always been against the grain of like corporate America, even since like the fifties. Um, yeah. it's always been kind of a unique. They've always done business a very unique way. Um, and but. It got it, it was always more laid back, and it's gotten more and more laid back to a point where I don't think um, a lot of agencies will do the suit and tie thing, or even like slacks or khakis. Now, I I just think everything is a lot more casual and laid back. I, but I th- I do think there is a delineation between the cut the clients that you work with. Like I'm not going to wear this to a meeting with um, I don't know Chrysler or something like a big yeah. company. And it's probably just a level of like who your clients are. Clients are wearing um, like jeans. Polo is at best. Yeah. Like jeans and like a ripped shirt to the field. Like, like, so like when I wear this jacket I got from Shein for like 12 bucks and like my, and these, uh, well, I guess I'm wearing a Lululemon shirt and a Lululemon, Lululemon pants, but look, I'm wearing Ugg slippers. Look at this. Oh, wait, here you go. Uh, yeah so uh very, very relatable there <laughs> that's my first pair of uggs um they were i think they're, they retail for like 130 dollars, but lauren got them for like 30 bucks uh oh. actually she got them on amazon um and but uh but yeah i i mean this is like as dressy as i get on calls and that's already more dressy than most of our clients and now if i if we were dealing with like bright view I think I would wear something a little nicer. I'd probably wear like um like a blazer, not even a blazer, just a bu- like a like a button up or a, a zip up, um nice a nice like north face jacket or something. But that's as high as I go. <laughs> like I'm not gonna put on a suit for you. Yeah, I, I we've been to we went to Colombia. I'm in Japan. You're gonna come to Japan too. We're starting to see more of the international culture or international business culture vibe. And you do see that, you know, uh, generally speaking, Americans are always more relaxed uh, in dress and how they conduct business too, um, which I like and I like it a lot. Um, but I I find I always resort to the uh, tech billionaire default uh, clothing of jeans, gray tee, navy blazer <laughs> if I have to... Uh, and people are cool with it because they're like, ah, he's American, so he doesn't know. It was really funny. Yesterday we were on a call, just me and you, and we were looking at um, a video that we made for uh, the franchise, uh, a client that we have, and you were in the exact same clothes. <laughs> it's <was> like a <laughs> crazy shirt. <laughs> just... <laughs> I think when I recorded that, it was like at 2 a.m. too. <laughs> Which is, yeah. it's 1 a.m. for you right now. I was going to say, yeah, it's about that right now. Too. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I've always wanted to wear, like, wear suits to work because I thought that was cool. Um, mm-hmm. I still kind of think it is, but I think, I think the way that Americans dress, especially in agencies is, is trying to 
portray a level of authenticity, whether it's intentional or not. And I think people like to dress, they like to dress up how they would um, casually, like if they were to casually dress up and go to like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a decent place or something where they don't want to look like total trash. Um, and when you, I feel like when, when I get on a call with like another agency for whatever reason, and they're wearing suits and ties, like I am immediately disconnected from them. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't like, you don't dress like this normally. I don't trust you now. And I, that's not a, that's not a good thing for me to do, but it, it's just the nature of it. Yeah. It's kind of the used car sales thing. Right. Yeah. I think it's a good used car sales benefit. It. Yeah. I always describe it as the second I have to, I, or I'm expected to use a knife instead of just turn my fork sideways to cut meat, <laughs> like chicken strips or something. The second I'm in that environment, I'm anxious and stressed <laughs> out. So <laughs> we got to take you and Jenny to Manny's Steakhouse when you guys come up here. And that's a very fancy place, but it's oh. not, but it's not like dressed up like fancy like that. It, you wear something. I, I would wear this to Manny's. I have actually, um, but I, I am the most underdressed person there for sure. <laughs> but um, I also don't care. Um, the tablecloths are typically uh, like the the red and white checkered. So it almost feels like you're at a picnic in like a super fancy steakhouse. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just amazing. We'll, we'll take you there. Cool. All right. Well, I, th- I think we were actually done saying what we wanted to say at like 27 minute mark. <laughs> and we yeah. just started going on. Yeah. Anyway, I actually think I actually think we did have a we started to round it off. And I think the listener was like, wow, almost almost over. And then they checked their time and they're like, oh, we're only halfway through. Psych. <laughs> we got you. All right. Here's the unimportant stuff. <laughs> now we're finished. So mm-hmm. right, everybody, thanks for listening. See ya.